Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to answer some of your gardening queries. Later on, I'll be joined by a headmaster who's doing a terrific job encouraging children to plant and grow, teaching the values of gardening. From Charlton Manor Primary School, it's Tim Baker. Our thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast. The news story this week, of course, is the uh, release of a GM orange-flowered petunia. That's got the trade in a bit of a uh, tussle, I'll tell you. Uh, It rather sounds as if uh, somebody in Japan has taken a gene from maize and put it in petunia some time ago and produced an orange flower and then... uh, put it out onto the market and a number of seed companies seeing this lovely colour must have taken pollen because there's several other varieties that have been bred from it. I think there's about eight or nine, some petunias raised from cuttings and some from seed, which have been immediately taken off the market. As soon as the seed suppliers heard that this thing has been done, they had no option. It's a crazy world really because We have a blue carnation that was uh, genetically modified. We can buy the cut flowers in Europe and sell the cut flowers, but we can't grow the plant. Anywhere else, away from the EU, then of course uh, it's open house on GM pretty well. And in America, I think over 90% of the soya that's grown are now GM cultivars. So it looks as if the cork's out the bottle. I've just sown my first few runner beans. I like to sow at this time and then another lot in a month's time and with luck the first sowing are just about through without worry about frost. It's a pretty good bit of land, you know, it's been well dug, a lot of compost in it so they should be fine. And, you know, we gardeners, we like to brag a bit. This week I picked my first ripe strawberry. Yes, it was under a polythene cover I've got a walk-in polythene greenhouse. Uh, I'm just going into the second summer with it now. I can't think why I didn't have one before. They're absolutely fantastic, especially for those of us who are getting on a bit in years. When the wind's cold or it's raining, you just step inside and you're protected and everything grows so quick. And, of course, we're at least uh, two or three weeks, if not four or five weeks, ahead of the rest. I had a friend nip in too, unexpected on the Saturday of that bank holiday, and he stopped over for lunch, put me on the spot a bit, except I was able to nip up the garden and pick a really big handful of asparagus. Had that with some boiled potatoes and salmon. Boy, that's that's why we garden. Pick it fresh and then straight down and into the pot. 
trouble is it spoils you for uh, other stuff that's been knocking about for days, if not weeks. And the asparagus, of course, will cut now quite heavily through until about the first week of June, and that's when we stop. I've planted a new row, actually, because my asparagus bed has been down for, must be, 20, 25 years, and I'm afraid last summer I let it get a bit weedy. So I think I'm going to dig the lot up and then just replace it with a new one. I need to get on to with sowing some zinnias. I love to grow zinnias for cut flower. And if uh, you sow those now, ideally covered with cloches, just to give a bit of protection, keep the uh, soil warm, uh, and then just thin them out. If you grow the giant dahlia kind, or what we call pumula, they make fantastic cut flowers. You know, you cut the first rather short-stemmed flower and then all the side shoots break and grow much taller. You can cut those and keep cutting them. But do keep an eye on the garden. You know, you need to walk around and have a look at things quite often. I was out just trimming the edge of the lawn and noticed that there was some grey aphis on the lupins. Oh, that's a terrible thing, that that really big grey aphid. It multiplies at a tremendous rate if you don't stop it in its track. So fortunately I saw mine in good time and gave those a little spray and within 24 hours we'd cleaned those up. You have to do it. If not, then the plants are pretty well leafless in a week or two. I've got uh, very nice lilac and tamarisks too in full flower. So from the bedroom window when I look out, they're absolutely fantastic. And as soon as they've finished flowering, then I shall get the secateurs out, chop them back just to hold the size a bit because they're getting quite big now in our modest size garden. And both those shrubs, if they're pruned immediately after flowering, then they'll make some nice new growth which will flower next year. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss well our guest today is a very high in my esteem mr tim baker who's the head at charlton manor primary school now tim can you give us a, a little bit of scene set would it be fair to describe you as an inner city school uh, yes, we're an inner city school. We're we're in Greenwich, which is South East London. Um, we have about sixty six percent of our children are from ethnic minority backgrounds. Uh, Nepalese being our highest ethnic group, but it's changed over the years. And just over eighty odd percent of our children um, come from bottom ten percent most deprived in the country. So it's a pretty tough area to to work then. Yeah, absolutely. It is, yeah. Now, how long have you been doing gardening? I'm try- I am was trying to think. When we first met, it was through a school's growing campaign, wasn't it? 
It was. And I can remember it well. It was Morrison's uh, Let's Grow for Chelsea. Oh that's, um, oh, that's right, with the bus, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that was about, oh, I don't know, eight years ago, probably. Now, now when I go into the school, you've got high fencing, pretty well all time academed except for a little corner. So, yeah. so why did you sort of set off gardening? I mean, it seems to be the last thing that one would think about doing in that situation. Um, I think at that time, uh, when I first became head teacher, it was a time where gardening or children, very much in the news, that children didn't know where their food came from and they believed that carrots came from the supermarket rather than <laughs> the ground. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, that worried me. That, that was a real concern. And uh, so I thought, well, what can I do about it? And the only way you can do about it is you show them where it actually comes from. So we did take a, a, an area of the grounds to change into a garden, which the children absolutely loved. Um, yeah, and, and it's just gone from strength to strength. It's uh, very popular with the children and, and the adults, actually. Um, we all love it, absolutely. But it's not just the uh, fruit and veg. I mean, you've got uh, livestock there too, haven't you? Yeah, we certainly have. We've got, we've got chickens. Now, the chickens, I guess our oldest ones are about six years old now. We've known them since they were eggs. We actually hatch them out in the school so the children can see them hatch. Um, and then they go to our nursery coop before they go on to the main coop. So all the chickens that we've got in our coop now, the oldest being about six years and then five years and four, we hatch out ourselves and then they lay eggs for our cooking. And we also have bees, which... I think at the time when I let parents know, which was about six years ago, that we were going to have bees in the school um, and staff, they were a little bit oh, panicked um, until I let them, really got them to understand that actually I wasn't introducing bees into the school. The bees are already here. There's, they can walk around the garden with the beautiful flowers that we have out there and there's bees all, all over the place. And they realised, I guess, that, um, yeah, this wasn't bringing bees into the school. The bees were already here. And I can understand the apprehension. I mean, as a very young lad in my teenage years, I remember buying a hive of bees, but without any mentor or help. It was a nightmare. They were a pretty uh, angry lot of bees. Did you have somebody to sort of guide you, or are you a beekeeper? Well, we, we, um, we got in touch with a local bee club. And I think the reason we did it mainly was because we had a hive or a swarm of bees come to the school. Um, and I wanted to better understand the bees because obviously we tell the children they're important for the environment um, and they're completely, you know, they're safe if you don't bother them. But uh, I think what we were teaching the children by our actions was that, to panic and so on. So I thought, well, let's bring bees in and let's, let's get to know them. So we contacted a local beekeepers who were very, very helpful, um, and they ran a beekeeping course for us. So myself, um, my gardener, a friend of mine, who was a friend of mine at the time, has now become a the gardener, and um, a couple of other staff went along to a 10-week beekeeping course so that we could learn how to keep the bees and introduce them to the school. With a bit of help and encouragement, it's amazing, isn't it, what you can get children to do? And you said that they were quite enthusiastic about gardening. Why do you think that is? I mean, wherever I go, you get a group of kids with uh, their hands in the compost and sowing seed and planting. Their eyes really light up, don't they? They certainly do. And I think <clears throat> I think one of the things with, with um, gardening that we found very much was it's very much of a team effort. It's about working together. And I think the gardener supporting the children um, and also you can have conversations. And I think this day and age, and I think one of the things that really concerns me in terms of schooling is that uh, that working in class 
can be very um, on your own and, and not actually sharing with teachers what may be a, an issue inside you. Maybe something that happened at home, maybe something in the playground, but we don't get time to share this because we're busy. The teacher wants us to work in the maths or whatever. Whereas in the garden, you, you hear the conversations going on and um, they can be planting seeds or trimming um, plants, but the conversation is about what's bothering the child at the time and you give an opportunity there to the adult to to give some guidance um, and so the child can then start developing their own sense of morals and core beliefs because they're having that quality time with an adult. Then on top of that they nurture the plant, they look after it, they water it. What happens to the plant is directly uh, linked to how they've actually looked after it. Um, so it gives them a sense of responsibility as well. And when it comes to the education, the formal education, of course they've got to do the measurement, haven't they, for the rows? Absolutely. They've got to write labels. You've got to read what's on the back of the packet, find out where yeah. the things have come from. It's quite a good area, isn't it, to teach young people all kinds of things. It is, and it's a certainly it's a certainly uh, a practical experience which actually gives children a, a good understanding of things like measurements. So, for example, meters they can measure out a flower bed using meters, you know, meter rules. Whereas if they're in a classroom, then for convenience' sake, the teacher might use centimeter as a meter, and uh, the children not always understand the two different measurements. But being outside, they can use the meter rules and measure flower beds they can as you say measure the heights of plants they can look at our weather station that we've got to see if there's an impact on the and record the weather every day that they're measuring the plant see if there's an impact or you know a correlation between the weather and the height that it grows or uh, things like that and uh, obviously there's pollination there's seed dispersal there's so much going on in the garden all the time that it gives children a real understanding of education tim i'd like to underline i mean the age of children we're talking about is sort of five to, to ten, isn't it? At, at it eleven, is. they they go off to secondary school. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you've taken some of these very young people abroad, haven't you? We have. Um, we've had many opportunities now. So we went to um, a, a, a few years back. We went to Holland to the Floriard and to the <laughs> Kirkenhof Gardens, which was a wonderful experience for the children. Um, and they've had a, a, a wonderful understanding of what that was all about. And we had that lively young lad, I remember, on the stepping stones who went, Absolutely. In, who went into the water, eh? He Does... did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Absolutely. But what an experience for him. He really had a great time. Uh, his feelings weren't dampened by it, but he had a great time. <laughs> well, I mean, it was amazing the way that the Dutch folk at the Kirkenhof sort of whipped him away, had a drying machine, I think, didn't they? Dried they his did. clothes and put him back. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we're at the moment helping a school in Germany um, design and build a garden. And again, that's bringing two schools together from across, you know, across the continent. So our children have been out to there twice now um, and helped put the design together and are now doing the practical work of actually building the garden. So it's wonderful that we've been involved with that as well. And so what about language then? I mean, do you do a bit of German? Surely not. We do, yeah. At, um, in our, we, we do two trips uh, abroad. Uh, we do one at the end of year four, so when the children are seven or eight, and they go to France, because in our, our year three and four children, they learn French. And then in five and six, years five and six, so when the children are nine to 11, they learn German. And um, they, they, we then get groups going over to Germany to at the end of the year to um, help again this this school um, develop their garden and the, and the school come over here to us in usually about March time to see our garden. But have you also been as far as China? 
Yes, yeah, we went to China. Uh, uh, staff went uh, just a couple of months ago, went to China. And uh, I myself went um, just over a year ago to China. Um, and again, it was talking about the ethos of food growing and healthy eating. Um, and they were very impressed because we had some Chinese students come over and they were very impressed with our garden. I can imagine. But of course, we, you know, we can't mention Charlton Manor without your kitchen facilities, both the restaurant where the youngsters eat and also your fantastic cooking classroom, haven't you? We certainly have, which is very, very popular. Um, with the children, they absolutely love it, and, and both the chefs. We have Flavio, who works in our um, kitchen, which supplies the school lunches, which is absolutely delicious. And then we have uh, obviously the teaching kitchen uh, with Joe in the teaching kitchen, who does some wonderfully creative and imaginative lessons of English or maths or science or history or DT or art using cooking, um, and all the time underlying the health aspects of, of healthy eating. Um, and using the produce from the garden. I mean, I'm just, I was just amazed. You had a, a famous chef there, didn't you, to open it? And I mean, he was cooking omelettes and getting the youngsters with frying pans and hot grills and all kinds of things. Absolutely. And they're, and they're very confident of that. I mean, yeah, there was Raymond Blanc when he came, and he's a very good, he, he's uh, he a very uh, good supporter of the school, has been a number of times now. And um, yeah, absolutely. He's uh, The children are very aware of safety surrounding these sharp knives and hot liquids and, and various things like that so our sort of approach to this is to not stop children from doing it but to actually educate them as to how to do it safely in the same way that you know we know that the most deaths for children is on the roads but we don't stop children from crossing roads we just teach them how to do it properly um, and we work alongside them in order to gain their confidence and their ability to be able to do it themselves. What have you got for us for Chelsea? You know, we like to have things that are grown by school children. You can have one or two vegetables for us, do you think? We certainly are, and I know I've been talking to our gardener, and he's very pleased with the progress of the vegetables that uh, he's been growing. Um, and, yeah, he's very much looking forward, and the children are very much looking forward to Chelsea because it's always it's a, one of the highlights of their year where they can actually show off what they do. And that's not only just by in the, in the, in the actual way they put it into the garden, but also by people passing, and they can talk to the children about it, and they're very proud of what they do. And really, when I come to the school, not often enough, I'm afraid, you know, to have the youngsters run up to you and greet you, uh, uh, they're such bright, outward-going, lovely children. You, you're doing a fantastic job, Tim. I hope you realise that. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, Peter. And, and, and we, we love it when you come along because uh, it's always exciting and you've always got such wonderful um, wealth of experience to impart to the children, which they, and my gardener, <laughs> who would sit and talk with you for the whole of the day if, uh, if you uh, had the time because he just loves it when you come along and so do the children. Yeah, but with every school, you know, where we go in to do little workshops and uh, established gardening clubs, if you haven't got people like Nick with that enthusiasm that are there, you mm. know, because it's seven days a week, isn't it? Somebody's got to have a, an eye on the weekend and watering and caring, that kind of thing. Well, absolutely. Uh, and uh, as he points out, it's holidays as well. So, you know, he has to keep the garden maintained and going all through the holidays and uh, even through the winter, even yeah. through the winter when the teachers don't fancy going out there, maybe with the classes as much as they should. He's having to continually um, keep on doing work in the garden. That's right, doing the donkey work. <laughs>
Tim, look forward to seeing you at Chelsea, if not before, and thanks very much indeed for chatting to us today. You do Thank a wonderful you much, job. Yeah. Thank you very much. Last weekend, I was invited out to a new housing estate, detached house with a double garage, you know, it's quite a posh sort of place, uh, and the back garden was just, uh, I would think, about 30, 35 feet deep and 50 feet wide. It sloped a bit, had a very nice patch of turf. Looked to me like Rowlorn's medallion from the uh, dark green and the width of the grass was a really very nice piece of lawn. And then, of course, six-foot-high fences all the way round. And the uh, owners had moved house and brought a lot of the roses with them. They must have moved at just the right time because the roses were fantastic. You know, they were growing again and making... uh, a lot of really good uh, budded uh, growth. Uh, I did notice a little bit of green fly about uh, and so uh, pointed that out to them. And they had a standard tree too, Prunus bleriana, very pretty thing. It had finished flowering but was starting to make quite a few shoots from the trunk. Uh, and I was able just to rub those off. Well, one or two were getting a bit beyond the point of rubbing but I'm never without my knife so we managed to... Uh, whipped those off and tidy that up and and then looked at uh, several of the climbers that were put against the fence trochelia spermum that's a lovely thing for a sheltered garden Uh, trochelia spermum jasminoides as the name indicates very fragrant climber give that a year or two that was going to make a fantastic show just alongside a little summer house that they had tucked in the corner of their back garden but they'd been to the garden centre like lots of people last weekend and bought a pot acer, one of the Japanese acers that's very pretty with the new growth in the spring and then also has lovely autumn colour. Now it was in a three and a half litre pot. Of course the first thing I do is to turn it upside down and knock it out. If you buy a plant it's the roots that are important. If the roots are alright then the top will certainly follow. And it was fine. But you need to be very careful if you're buying a small and young uh, Japanese maples. They need a fair bit of water through the summer and a bit of care. But in their first and second winter, they don't need to be too wet. They'll take the cold all right, but not if it's wet and cold. So uh, I suggested that they have uh, the potted plants in a shallow saucer through the summer so that uh, they can leave a little bit of water in the saucer to be taken up if they're away for a day or two but then take the saucer away through the winter Uh, and in a perfect world put the pot up on pot legs just so they dry a bit. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Sutton's Seeds of Torquay. We'll be back next Thursday. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 